What's up, guys? Welcome to another exciting edition of Real Estate Podcast, episode 317. I'm here with Griffin. I'm here with Trav. And we're flipping gold coins with Adam. With Gene Wicken. <laughs> it's here, we, guys. We decided to win our wigs. <laughs> we brought it back. I've been, are those I Cougarans? Is that what those are? This, dude. I don't know. And then they never really explain the coin, but it's something to do with the Continental, right? Like it's a... Yeah. Because he had a bunch of them. I think it's but, like they're they're limited to do. It's, it's like their, their in-game currency. It's their crypto. Like, dude, yeah, Harry, yeah. Harry Potter had it's his NFTs in this one, you know? Hitman NFTs? Yeah. HFTs. Exactly. There you go. But, yeah, June First Rick, time man, I've seen this one. This one came out in 2014. Yeah. And I remember the buzz. You know, oh, I remember like, oh, everybody was like, Dude, I didn't know they killed the dog. Because I remember all the buzz (laughs) around it. I just thought they took it. No. And he wanted it back. And when they hit that dog and they watched him bury it, I was like, fuck these dudes up, man. Exactly. Fuck them. When he grabs the sledgehammer and the fucking, the dad's given the rundown of who John Wick is. And you're just like, oh, they fucked up. Fucking boogie, man. Dude, I was telling Griffin a minute ago, uh, like one of, one of my favorite scenes still is like, because like they, these motherfuckers are like the bad guys are terrified of this guy. And, Cops too. Oh yeah, yeah. but uh, he um, just the whole like the whole thing where they roll up at John Leguizamo's garage, dude decks Theon, fucking later on, mob boss calls and he's like. Hey, why'd you hit my kid? And he's like, well, cause he brought John Wick's car into my garage. And like, instead of whatever, he just, uh, just, he just breaks his fucking tough guy shit then and there and just goes, Oh, yeah. and hangs the fuck up, dude. Like, it's like he knew. And that's the thing, like with him explaining it, he's like, John Wick wanted out for a woman. So we gave him an impossible task, something that he never should have lived through. And he did it. So he earned his way out. And like, that alone you know you know what i mean like mm-hmm. well, the, i don't the, i feel like there's the subtle context that's added in that's what he's explaining he's like what he did that day laid the foundation for for, for us now and I, I feel like the task and i'm sure it gets fleshed out more in the sequels now and everything but i'm assuming john killed all the competition for that yeah. dude like everybody <laughs> yeah like he went yeah like there's no more gang war like yeah. he single-handedly stopped it in one day. Yeah. So, I mean, and and it's just like the amount of respect that these people have for him and then like the fear. Like it's it's really interesting for them to have a character, especially in 2014 up until now where you have a character like this where it's like, "Oh, he's back." <laughs> like mm-hmm. this is not good for anybody that comes across this dude. And then, like, the respect that he has, like, the Francis guy that was out front, he was like, what's going on, Francis? You know, it's been a while. Yeah. It's like you lost some weight. like Kevin Nash. Yeah, right? He's like, yeah, you know, lost. I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah. Maybe. Oh, yeah. Even the. Pretty good accent. He was like, even even go home. He's like, thanks. Even. Yeah, that 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 was. He gave him a chance to live. Yeah, that's that's another thing. Not when you go home. Yeah, he goes, thank you. Thank you, sir. <laughs> it's like yeah. so. I've seen yes. the second one and the third one. Um, see, I guess the reason I thought he got his dog back is because in the second one he's got that dog he got at the end. 
Yeah. I was like, oh, wait. but when it was like, oh, they killed the dog that his dying wife gave him as the last present. Yeah. Yeah. Not Daisy. As a coping mechanism. Yeah. Right. Like, well, what? I, and see, and that to me, that's, that's the beauty of this movie. And that's we, the audience and only, well, now nobody, uh, we knew the underlying theme of why it's not just a fucking car or just a fucking dog. Like yeah. we, we know that personally, like we're, you know, we're in We like, that's a, that was a clever way to get you emotionally invested in the character and yeah. completely like be on his side the whole way through. No it's matter like it wasn't how just re- a dog, it was a beagle. Yeah. yeah. yeah My right. wife gave me, I'm going to have to grieve alone. Yeah. You took that from me. Where is she? Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but he also, but you know, one thing too, they kept it true to a dog owner though, man. You lose your dog, you're going to get another one. For sure. Man. I thought he was going to get another beagle, but whatever. Yeah. He got, was that, was that a blue pit? Like a blue yeah, pit. it's a little pity. Pity baby. Another one of those thing little too, ones too. Yeah. Another tip of the hat I've always given this movie. The hero has to reload and he does. He does. <laughs> Like yeah. there's when that no first infinite... fight pops off, I was like, is he just going to have infinite ammo now? They saved that one for the third movie, uh, <laughs> which I have seen. But do y'all know how many people he killed? I know the exact number because I looked it up. How many uh, people do you guess. think killed this movie? Okay. 168. Trav? Uh, I'm going to be a little more reserved. I'm going to say he killed somewhere in the ballpark of 70 plus. 77. Just because, like, if you think about it, I think the usually... second one they go up to like one twenty eight or something. He it goes up, you know. It's oh, got a oh, I mean, part two. Well, I, well, yeah, I assume that these movies only get bigger and more ridiculous. For yeah. sure, the third but one don't for, even have a plot. But for this as our baseline, like when I saw this movie, I was like, I get why there's four. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, Did this, uh, well, for you having kind of watching a machete cut of the franchise, did this make some of the stuff you can recollect of the times you watched the other ones and you're like, okay, that made a little more sense? Well, they're, it's not the same. I mean, that guy's not a problem anymore. Yeah. So. So moving on to the next yep. problem, basically. Well, yeah, you know, like so. he said, he's back. So. Yeah. Don't fuck with his dog or his car. I mean, yeah, everything will be fine. When, I, when he went out and was driving around, I was like, "What's he doing? Like adrenaline junkie shit? Like, yeah, yeah, blowing I, off I little steam." Like, yeah, the the little the little details that I picked up on the rewatch with like he, you know, when you, they always portray these hitmen as like very organ, almost an obsessive compulsive compulsive level of like like attention to everything's got to be perfect. Everything lays a certain yeah. way. When he when he when he gets his suit on, it, it is like perfect cool press. You know? Yeah. Well even William Defoe when he comes home puts yeah. his wallet in the bowl, puts his watch down. Yeah, and got, right, let's feel, get it a going, you know. And, and and I felt like the the car sequence uh, we were talking about, that was like that was filling the void that killing was doing for almost like a you know like like Blowing off I, I, adrenaline junkie. That, it was his methadone. You Going know? at that yeah. uh, the tractor full speed and stopping right before you hit it. Well, and you got to think too. Like this is right after his wife died, 
So and see like, that that's what I took it initially, but on the rewatch for me, that's where I was like, Oh, like it's that it's serving that purpose for sure. Yeah. But it's also like just like I guess I realized there was more personality to John Wick's character than Whoa. Than, than, <laughs> yeah, because like I mean he you know, clearly I guess uh, the Adam, I guess this is aimed more for you, man. I mean, did you did you watch the sequels too, Griffin? No, nah, I've only watched the this one. So does his does he get more lines? Like, does he still try to stay kind of like man? Nah, he don't words speak much. throughout it. Low and slow. Yeah, a lot he of talks with yeah. his face. Where Owen Wilson goes, wow. John Wick goes, yeah. I like the way that dude called him, and he's just listening. Yeah. Oh yeah, they know he's, he's answered. Like, let's not get all upset now, you know. Like let's. Yeah. And he just hung up the phone. It was like fuck. Yeah. The sound. Give me a helicopter. Also, you know. The music was fucking mint. We'll need a yeah. private island. Something. Fast car. Secret identity <laughs> from the CIA. <laughs> John Wick wants to kill me. <laughs> In my life. Bury me, little tiny bugs feasting on my ass. Yeah, little tiny bugs are gonna feast on your ass because he's hmm. like when he when he's got Theon in an embrace and he's like, dude, you can run, but like he's coming for you and you can't do nothing because there's nothing to do. Yeah, like it was old Game of Thrones. Yeah, he um, had his dick in this one though. Another <laughs> person I noticed too in the movie of uh, the Doctor. Yes, uh, the Asian guy. Yeah, that's the key maker from the Matrix trilogy. Oh, yeah. I think Morpheus comes in at some point too, right? <laughs> oh, it's so they gotta. I mean, you know. <clears throat> I mean, other than Neo, I mean, we've seen Keanu Reeves do some some great performances, you know, this, that, and the other. But like, other than Neo, like, has John Wick shrouded the Neo? You know what I mean? Yep, like, for sure, because people it's a that. Clip- well, like a lot of people don't, they don't get into the matrix as much action as, you know, they'll get into that first one, yeah. but then when it gets into all that sci-fi, it's like, uh, this yeah. is just straight action, man. Yeah. Oh yeah. Just killing. Yeah. Man. I mean, just point blank, well, just shooting people in the face. Just, well, what's crazy is, um, so <clears throat> the matrix, uh, movies were heavily influenced by like a lot of anime, like ghost in the shell and all that stuff. Um, I could see anime influence in John Wick as well. And in particular, there is a, there's a series called Black Lagoon. Mm -hmm. And it's more or less the same concept as this, this universe where it's like, you have all these, all these contract killers. They all have a hub where they meet. They all are, you know, it's more dog eat dog in, in this show or whatever, but like, you know, it the, the framework is very, very similar. Right. Like, there's areas where it's like, all right, y'all don't fuck with each other while you're here, and if you do, you're really fucked. And yeah, and I, I noticed that as well. Like, it's it, you know, it seems to be a hallmark with with Reeves getting these like franchises as they have a very like hell, the ending of this movie was very anime. It ends in the rain. They're both talking shit. They both just fought it out. Like, he said, "I'll be seeing you, John." Yeah. Well, yep, I'll be seeing you. How how bummed were you whenever uh, Willem Dafoe's oh, character? Oh yeah, I hated that. 
I kind I mean, of figured co- whenever uh, he approached him and was like, I need you to help me kill him. I was like, he ain't going to kill him. He's going to help him. No. Oh, it was the only like, one that showed up at the funeral. Yeah, come on. You know, oh, like, was there was that? a gunfight. That, that, that's one of the things. I felt bad because I completely forgot Willem Dafoe was in this movie. Yeah, when he popped up, I was like, oh, shit, he's in this. Yeah. It was uh, it was so well done, man. That sequence where he shoots, like they've got John, John Wick tied up to the chair. You know, and they're fixed. They're strangling him with that bag over his head, and dude snipes one of them. He gets out, grabs that shotgun, runs out, and yeah. <laughs> just stands in the road and just starts unloading. Mm-hmm. It's just, and then he's just like, "Look, motherfucker! Like this shit ain't done. Like, yeah. either oh, kill- the yeah. care the carefree usage of guns in this film is so absurd. They're the playing way- them around like it's nothing. Like they're ballpoint pens, dude. The, like um- they're just." The director of the movie was his stunt double in The Matrix. Makes sense. Yeah. Makes and he sense. did 90% it? of his own stunts. Didn't John, doesn't, didn't John Woo have anything to do with this as well? Not sure. Let's see. He, I think, I know he's primarily like a martial arts uh, choreographer. I don't say anything on the IMDb. I, I could have got, yeah, I could have got it confused with something else. I do like, you know, we've seen the training videos for Keanu yep. Reeves while he's going through and the, the execution, because you I know see that it in like, the movie. Yeah. When that's he was one thing. That, corners and shit. Yeah. This movie prided itself on being like the first action movie that was like true to life. As far as they kept track of the bullet count, they reloaded when they needed to. He actually held the weapon. Like, cause you know, he, he's holding the weapon at his chest. He's, you know, whenever he's maneuvering around, he's not holding yeah. it way out in front of him. Yeah, you bring he's it in like it. that so you can keep a hold on it like it's yeah. way yeah, more he's stable. Just, he's not Arnold Schwarzenegger and nah. the, the weapons around, you know? Yeah. And it's just like seeing him maneuver through there and then like whenever he gets in like fist fights, they're, mm-hmm. they play out like, re- they play out more like real fist fights. Yeah than an exaggerated version of like a martial artist thing or whatever, because it's like the whole time that he's fighting, it's like he's using his weight and his momentum Mm -hmm. against whoever he's fighting against, whether they're bigger than him or not. Um, Like MMA fighters, you know what I mean? So like, I I really like the way that the choreography with the gunfights and the hand-to-hand combat and the way that it flowed between the two. And something I noticed in, in all the fight sequences too, um, he uh, like he would do this thing, and I see it all the time, and I've seen it to, like in video games, like when we've squatted up and played stuff, man. This tactic of down the guy you're aiming at, kill everyone around him, then kill him. Yeah, because he did that a lot, like almost everyone. Him. Yeah. I mean, you know, sometimes you got to get a good bait. Sometimes you got to bait them. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. Dean Winters, the fucking Mayhem Insurance guy was in the movie. I know. You know what I'm talking about? When I saw him, I was like, those fucking commercials are hilarious. Yeah. Well, what's what's what was even more funny is when he when 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 his death finally shows up and he's on the he's on the side of a van or side of the SUV. 
like the one commercial where he's just hanging on to yeah. it, you know, being like, you know, I like to do blah, 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 blah. And then you see, you know, hitting trash cans and shit. And uh, seeing that, I thought that was like a little nod to like, yeah, fuck you. And he did, you know. When he gave him that gun, he said something. He's like, English. And he said, good luck. Yeah. Oh, the, yeah. That, by that, at that point, when he's just in the back seat, just like smoking a cigarette. Over. It's yeah. fucking over, you know. It, it's great, man. Like I bought this on Blu-ray whenever they had the Black Friday Blu-ray selling like in 20, cause this came out in 2014. So probably 2015, 2016, mm-hmm. um, just based off the hype. Cause I hadn't watched it and I bought it and I was like, I'm glad that I, you know, because yeah. you can pop this thing in anytime. It's an hour and a half. You get just enough of the world to, to see like, you know, like the Continental and the the Sacred Ground, and you've got all these different hitmen, and you've got all this other shady nonsense that's happening, this, that, and the other. And they don't lore dump on you. They just kind of like, you know, like that chick, you know, the, she goes out in the middle of that that courtyard area, and they just like gun her you down. Consider you Consider know? your membership revoked. They yeah, just yeah. Passed her. Yeah. They all shot her. It was like. The guy and said like, they had some pretty serious consequences for people that. Yeah. Heavy penalties. <laughs> yeah. It sucks that the receptionist guy is no longer with us because I do like his character a lot. Oh, yeah. He's just sitting there chilling, letting the phone ring while him and the, while John and the woman's fighting. And then finally, when it's all said and done, he's like, you good, man? Um, yeah. You're going to need a oh, dinner reservation? Complains. Yeah. That yeah, noise the, complaint thing was the awesome. Double, the double speak that was throughout the film, you know, was was really cool. Yeah, like there's a there's a whole language to that, or like, and and, and to add to what you're saying about like you know them not being heavy with lore dumps, it's just it's cool when they take a when when people can make a movie, and it's just like the the world they're in makes sense and you and you can suspend your disbelief you know yeah yeah and just a straight up the, revenge flick yeah and the whole idea of it just like all you need to know is that there's just this big organization where everything's they all know each other that's and it's cool that you know like after watching it now considering all the sequels and the shows and stuff they're trying to branch off of it um it makes more sense, and I'm a little more optimistic about the idea of uh, at least the show, you know? Yeah. Because having a show take place at that hotel, like, that, 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 that presents a lot of cool storytelling opportunities with, like, seeing, di- you know, stories that might not carry a John Wick film, but, you know, are still interesting and cool. Yeah, like, you might get an hour out of a story, a little one-and-done mission, as opposed to like, well, we're going to write an hour and a half movie and it's not going to live up to what we've currently got going on, you know? Yeah. But I mean, I think John Wick 4 was like three hours long. <laughs> like, it's supposed to be like the craziest, because everybody, when it came out, everybody was like, dude, it is, it's a word. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, it, it 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 was the, it, 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 it trended uh, as... As blockbusters do, especially when they're good. Now, that one does have Lawrence Fishburne in it. The new one? Yeah. 
I was thinking that there was one of them that had him in it. They brought the so. stops out. Bill Skarsgård, Clancy Brown. Oh god! I hope Clancy Brown's the bad guy. <laughs> they're like, I, yeah. I, 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 <laughs> they're like, yeah. We're gonna need three hours. Yeah. Got a lot of characters and a lot of shooting, you know. Well, I feel like that's probably where the lore dumps at, you know. Yeah, you get a little more of the hotel in the second one. Like they start, okay. you know. Yeah. Like they they Explore keep that the as they keep that as like the hub. Yeah. Per se. Him going in that vault and dumping like he kills those guys, Dude. tells the chicks to get out. Then he piles everything up, throws those in, like incendiary grenades, whatever they are, on top of it. And dude's like, "You burnt all my money." And he's like, "I felt really good about that." Yeah. <laughs> all like, this blackmail shit too. Yeah, everything. Oh man, it was. He went after him, dude. And then I love like. Some people I, I've I've seen comments where it's like, oh, it's it's kind of a cheap, you know, like he finally gets to the kid and just shoots him and's done. And I'm like, but that's the coolest part. Yeah, like he the, yeah he snipes all these guys. He he blows the cars up, and then as the kid's running away, and the kid's trying to say something, he just shoots him and just walks away. Yep. Like no fucks given. Yeah, he he did what he was set out to do, and he was done. He's like, I'm leaving town. He's like, you know, the, the, the continental, the management, sorry for the disturbance, give you a brand new car, you know? And then he gets the phone call, mm-hmm. Marcus. And he's like, Mm-mm, this aggression will not stand. Man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was nice that they, they gave uh, Marcus a moment where he could, uh, you know, he takes out the goons. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, like, like, don't let him go down. Oh, he said he was going out his own terms. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I I mean, he was full Defoe bro in this movie. DeBro? DeBro. Willem DeBro, dude. I'd hang out with him. John Wick? Both of them. (sighs) (laughs) I'd be afraid to, like. You just do something wrong. He gets quiet. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, oh, oh. I'm <laughs> sorry. I'm okay moving back. Run? Yeah. That doesn't go. He's one of those guys that's like. Yeah, TV's too be, loud. Be sure to put that on a coaster. <laughs> yeah. Or no, like he goes to. He goes to a drive through and he says nothing and they take his order. And they know his order. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, they hear. They go. Uh. Or no, all they hear like he pulled they pull up. He's in that badass sixty nine the uh, car Mustang. Yeah, and they go the dog. Yeah, they go. So so that's blah 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 yeah. blah blah blah. And then you hear the car like he just gives gives a little bit on the gas. Mm, and yeah. It's like your total's thirteen sixty something. Yeah. It's the first window. I need a wig basket. <laughs> yeah. They give him the whisket, the wick basket. <laughs> it's a but beef yeah. whisket. He goes to a library and they know exactly the books he wants. Like that, that dude, that's a, that's a skit. That's some skits right there. Well, he's like the new Chuck Norris. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
Chuck Norris checks under his bed for John Wick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You'll say it. Dude, the handing of the torch. And he pulls it off through that black suit. Yeah, right. Pretty cool look. It's like, look, you're going to a funeral. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I can I can agree that I mean now, you know, people will always see him as John Wick. Um me personally, he'll be Neo first, then John Wick. Yeah. Uh for some folks he's Bill and Ted, you know. Older generations. Yeah. yeah. So it and it's crazy that like uh he's been able to have have a brand all throughout his decades of acting, you know. Well and spread that out. Yeah. Like not just get stuck. Yeah. Like get stuck playing Bill and Ted the rest of his life. Yeah. Oh yeah, you watch that and then you watch this and just completely skip or in speed. between. Oh yeah. Or how and big I was that movie bring, was? I was gonna bring that up too. Point like break. dude Speed Speed the money he made off speed probably kept him good until yeah. he started doing the Matrix. They wouldn't pay what he wanted for the second one, so he didn't I do it. it. I but uh, I watched uh, Point Break a lot when I was a kid. Yeah. I really liked that movie, movie, the one where they wore the mask and robbed the bank. Yeah. You know, Fucking, was, what's his name was in it? Oh, Swayze, dude. Mm-hmm. Oh, Roadhouse. I had the yeah. time of my life. They played that at his funeral. Did they? I don't know. I just. (laughs) They should have, right? That would be on brand. Yeah, for sure. They show the video of him and her dad. So what's playing? Yeah. Or the scene where he's uh, doing from Ghost, where he's doing the clay. The pottery? Yeah. (laughs) No, but for real, Roadhouse, when he cruises around that lake and just stomps ass everywhere he stops, that was cool. It was. But yeah, John Wick. Number one, it's getting a full star from me. It's getting a full coin. I'll give it a Cougaran. <laughs> I think they were Cougarans. And I they only know cool. what that is because of Lethal Weapon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. Full star. Great film. I haven't been this excited about watching a movie franchise in a while. Yeah, I was. I actually was thinking about that the other day, too, man. I was like... I'm I'm hot for something that's not Marvel, Marvel. or Star Wars. Or <laughs> yeah, yeah, whatever. like it's it's refreshing. Yeah. Well, I got some movie news here. If y'all want to, if y'all want to peep it real quick. Yeah, what you got? All right, so Joel McHale confirms that production for the community film has been halted due to the strike. So this was a interview with Variety. We had a shooting date coming up, which was going to be in the summer, and I and I think they were extremely close to. I mean, Dan Harmon, the show's creator, is somebody that tweaks things, but obviously that's all stopped. But I think it was pretty darn close. Fans will now have to wait a bit longer for the highly anticipated movie for the beloved series. The feature film is the culmination of the show's foretold six season and a movie arc as a statement of support and display of solidarity with the writers. Mikkel has defended the strike. He cited that the writers demand demand for appropriate uh, 
remuneration is entirely reasonable. It was close. The shoot date was coming up, and we were all excited to excited to do it. Then the rider strike happened, which obviously put everything on hold, and rightfully so. The riders are asking for very very reasonable things. Riders need to get paid properly. I mean, you got to think that he has some. He dips his toes in that as well a little bit, right? Joel McHale, like. Yeah. You know, I because I watched the first. I didn't watch all of Community. It's on my list to go. It's it's on my list to go back and watch all of it because I really enjoyed oh, yeah. the series a lot. But you got to imagine that like every there's no way that the writers came up with every little because he would just spout like his reactions were yeah. Well, when they're around that genuine. table, yeah, yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? You know, yeah. So, and here's my question. Okay, why? In the love of God, did they not cast the blonde chick from Community as Captain Marvel? Britta? I, yes. I think she would have been a perfect Captain. I was thinking about that the other day. I don't know why it crept in my mind, but I was like, because I'm sitting over here like, Brie Lord, you know, like, you know. Yeah. And then I'm like, you know who would be the perfect Captain Marvel? It would be the chick from Community. She had a great personality. Yeah. She's she's Big the right age. Yeah. Like she's she's fun to watch and she kinda like resonates with audiences based off of the work that I've seen her do. So like I don't know, they kind of missed the mark with that in my opinion. I feel. But that's neither here nor there. But yeah, so they are working on the film for community. And I do like I said, I do want to go back and watch all of it. Uh but I watch like four seasons of it four or five. So I, I made it almost all the way to the end. Cause didn't they have a break? Yeah. I think they came back and did one. Yeah. It got I think, maybe Netflix. Yeah. Or Paramount or Hulu. I don't know, but I remember cause I was thinking that it, it stopped on TV and then it came back at some point. So next up here, Kevin Costner took out a mortgage to fund a horizon film series. So as reported by people star by people star, Kevin Costner recently revealed during an interview that he took out a mortgage to fund the four part movie series horizon and American saga while chatting with deadline, the Yellowstone actor stated that he took out a mortgage on his 10 acre home in Santa Barbara, California to cover expenses for part of the projects cost himself. That's a lot of project. Yeah. Uh, Costner said, I've mortgaged 10 acres on the water in Santa Barbara where I was going to build my last home, but I did it without a thought. It has thrown my accountant into a fucking conniption fit, but it's my life and I believe the idea and the story. The star then added that he'd been working on various elements of the four-part Western series Horizon since 1988, but has since been having difficulties finding anybody to make it. Costner told Deadline at the end of the day, I'm a storyteller and I went ahead and put my own money into it. I'm not a very good businessman, so scratch your head if you if you will. I don't know why, but I have not let go of this one. The Hidden Figures actor went on <laughs> then went on to say, I've pushed it into the middle of the table three times in my career and didn't blink. People noted that the actor had previously funded partial costs for successful films including 1990s Dances with, Dances with Wolves, a movie that ended up winning seven Oscars, including Best Director for Costner. 
So this is the the project that he's working on. That's that like, pulled him off of Yellowstone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I, I feel like he he knows it's the right time to make it now. Obviously, because he's finished being able to write it and put it together. But if you think about it, it's a, it's a pretty pretty clever move because Yellowstone has completely like oh, it's got massive. him a whole new fan base. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people, and and the people that were already ride or die Costner, are even harder in the paint for him now. So the viewership's going to be there, and that viewership's how he's going to make the money, obviously. So, yeah, I'm interested to see if it's a four part series, and we're coming in at like two to three hours per per movie. You know what I mean? Like, just mm-hmm. do it as a series at that part. At that point, you know what I mean? Like, Jesus. Well, and you it's kind of around the same, you know, it takes place yeah. like before the Civil War, after like. And, you know, there hasn't been, there hasn't been a good story like this, I would say, in in, in a long time. And, and like, so, some, like, because I'm thinking in the vein of like gods and generals or not, not, or uh, flags of our fathers like those period pieces you know yeah well i mean i would say that like if we looked in the past like 20 to 30 years of like westerns other than like tarantino westerns that kind of like got the recognition that they deserved it was like um that clint eastwood western in the 90s the the unforgiven was that the name of it yeah and then you've got like 310 to Yuma. And there was a couple here and there kind of sprinkled out. But like. Well, the genre has been thin for a while. Yeah. So. And that's the thing. Like a lot of people are like, you know, Yellowstone is kind of like a Western. And I'm like, it's about as much of a Western as I would consider the Mandalorian a Western. If that makes sense. Yeah. Just based yeah. off of what I've seen. No, I, no deep. My, my wife, she. uh she watches she's you know she's a big uh fan of the show as well and she had watched the um 1886 something movie yeah 1883 Um, yeah Um, okay Um, oh it's a series that's why that's actually why he got pissed was because the guy that created the show went off and started working on that show and the other one. There's two of them. Okay. One's got Harrison Ford. The other one's got Tim McGraw in it. And now he's going to do a show where he's going to fucking bring in, uh, all right, all right, all right. Yeah. McConaughey. Yeah. Now the, the, the Tim McGraw, uh, series, the 18, uh, the couple of, uh, viewings I had with it, uh, one, He's not a terrible actor, but secondly, though, it's got Sam Elliott in it, yeah, and he's awesome. Well, it's got really good production value too. Like, oh, dude, some know. of the, it's got the landscapes. I mean, hell, even the flagship series uh, Yellowstone, like, it's really good cinematography, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, him standing his ground, like it makes sense whenever you read all this. Dude dipped out, went and made all the side series. He's been working on this since 1988. He's putting a mortgage on his property. Like he's, he's been working on doing this for 
30 years. Like, and, and dude's going to get pissed because he was like, Hey, I've got this project coming up. Let's go ahead and get all this stuff filmed and out of the way. And everybody's like, just finish it without cost. It's like, no dude, fuck the guy that went and did all this side. Yeah. The guy that went and did all this side shit is the problem. Like, come on now. Well, he gave them 65 days. That's what they get. That's in the contract. Well, they got to that halfway point of the season and he had already filmed for 60 and he's like, well, unless you can wrap it up in five days, yeah, we're done here. I mean, hats off to him for making the stand, you know, his net worth is 250 million, which is crazy. That, yeah. And it's crazy that he took out a mortgage to, to, yeah. We well, use other people's money. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Why well, use your own? <laughs> so, but how many seasons? There's five. Yeah, I think this Man, is getting old season. after a while, you know. Yeah, and for these type of shows that borrow the intrigue aspect of Game of Thrones, where it's like, who's going to undermine who to be the successor to this, that, and the other? Um, you know, it it's it. it it usually shouldn't go further than five seasons. That's enough to tell a story that that's its primary gear. Yeah. Well, I think they were going to do one more season after this one, and it was going to be done. Because, so. like, at one at one point, I, I, I uh, was in there talking to her, and she was watching it, and, like, they, it's almost like he this dude's family infiltrates the local government. Yeah. He runs in politics. Yeah. Like, yeah. They go from like land disputes to some motherfuckers going to run the state. Yeah. Um, But really all this just makes me want an update on, um, outer range. like thinking of landscapes and you know sweeping like shots and stuff like i'm ready for that show to come back right but yeah we'll see what happens i'm interested in checking it out when he drops it i mean i'm hoping that it lives up to 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 his 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 dedication you know what i mean it's gonna it's got to me it'll, it'll weigh really heavily on the tone that gets set by its first trailer yeah. Well, and I think that he'll lean into his, to that Costner tone. You know what I'm saying? Costner's, yeah. all his movies have a tone to, even Field of Dreams. Man, even him being Jonathan Kent, yeah. Superman. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, every, every time he was on screen, it turned into Yellowstone. Well, it's like they had to re, they had to rewrite the entire movie because of that Kevin Costner casting because they had to capture the Costner. Yeah, that's that's what I heard. There's a rainstorm coming. Cattle's yeah. moving in from the west. We ain't got <laughs> much time, son. Like, yeah. So you know, one of these days, this planes will be yours. <laughs> but speaking of Snyder here, Rebel Moon will release as two films and get director's cut. I don't know why I don't just release the director's cut originally, but anyway. First look interview with Variety uh, Fair published Tuesday. The director shared his expanding plans for his latest project with Netflix, which is a concept Snyder has been mulling since college. The sci-fi adventure will 
debut on the streamer December the 22nd follows a woman with a mysterious past who is sent out by a peaceful colony on the edge of the galaxy to find warriors after the society is threatened by the armies of the tyrant. But the project will actually be two movies after the writer-director spoke with Netflix about his 72-page script, which translated to nearly a three-hour movie. Um, Stuber, Stuber was like, oh, the service... On the service, under two-hour movies really do better for some reason, even though you'll binge-watch a series of eight episodes. Deborah Snyder, Zach's producing partner and wife, says, Zach said, if you ask me to make it less than two hours, I'm going to lose all the character. Um, You won't care about these people. It's a character story about how people can change and redemption and what you're willing to fight for. So he said, what if I give you two movies? As a result, the $166 million movie, which Vanity Fair reports is from the film's estimated cost based on California tax filings, will be split into two parts, though the second film's release date remains unclear. Zack Snyder says he was looking to have uh, part two released on the hills of part one. It won't be long after. Netflix can do things that a traditional studio can't do as far as how close together the movies are released. In addition to the two-parter, he is also gearing up to release two cuts of the film, with the director's cut going longer. The first cut will explore the fantasy adventure in a way that anyone can enjoy and watch, while the other cut will be focused on adults and Snyder's superfans. I think for fans of mine and people who are ready to take a deeper, harder dive, that'll be fun for them, he says. During the interview, details about how Snyder built his universe were also revealed. Beyond the movie's expected effects, the director built a real-life village in Santa uh, Clarita Canyon outside of Los Angeles. That includes a full-size abandoned starfighter decoys not far from what appears to uh, to be an idyllic Scandinavian-style village complete with clusters of homes, shops, and barns, as well as a stone bridge arching over a crystalline river, crystalline river the latter of which was built by the production, as well as actual fields of wheat in the desert. And then also here, um, says Zack Snyder uh, is world-building once again with Rebel Moon. This time the 300 Justice League filmmakers creating not just one world, but a sprawling uh, a menagerie of planets full of cyborg warriors with molten metal swords, ha- a giant half-humanoid arachnids, and ancient robots that seem to have emerged from more medieval times than the future. The new Netflix space saga that director that Snyder directed and co-wrote extends far beyond the verbant orb of the title. That moon is actually one of the more modest worlds. It circles an immense gas giant at a distant edge of the galaxy and is populated mainly by farmers. It's nowhere special, but it's about to change the balance of power in the fictional universe. While any sci-fi extravaganza naturally features copious digital effects, Snyder also used his estimated budget of at least $166 million to manifest as much of it in real life as possible. Uh, then they talk about the canyon. Um, the story, This story, which Snyder has been mulling for more than three decades, focuses on outcast uh, refugees from desperate planets, who joined forces to rise up against a punishing authoritarian government. As in real life, uniting so many different factions is easier proposed than accomplished, both in the story and behind the scenes as multiple plot lines entwine. 
in every way, Rebel Moon is a heavy lift. I'm a glutton for punishment. I don't know why I always make an ensemble movie. I can't wait to not do it. But in the meantime, of course, I love it. Snyder says he feels that uh, constructing his world is real life, and real life makes the otherworldly feel more immersive. This movie was me going, of course it's a space opera, but let's not lens it that way. Let's lens it in more in a more intimate way so that the sci-fi elements feel more grounded. We're not always saying, look at how big our spaceships are, how weird our planets look. <clears throat> that happens, but it happens as an organic part of the world you're in. You're there, and so the things that you see on that journey are not forced upon you or spoon-fed to you. Uh, Snyder shares these thoughts while sitting in a tavern built on the port city set, sweating profusely as he directs a gunfight sequence. Network of overhead pipes create a thunderous thunderstorm that transforms the desert dust into pools of sticky mud while the heroes and villains blast at each other. Um, it's interesting to me that, like, okay, so they're going to release the first part of Rebel Moon, the second part of Rebel Moon, then they're going to release a director's cut that's basically going to be part one and two with probably two to three hours of extra footage. If I had, to, like, it's almost at that point, like, he could make a series out of that. Unless they do it like they do, unless they do it like they did The Hateful Eight, where they release, like, hour segments of it. Because, like, he's like, okay, the people that really like the stuff that I do, uh, the way that I do storytelling are going to get that experience in the director's cut. So that makes me think that it's going to be, like, much longer. It's already going to be three hours, so how much longer is it going to be? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens with it. I think that it sounds interesting, but it also, just based off of this picture down here, has like a real, like, um, Firefly feel to it. So, I don't know. I'm interested to see to see how it plays out for sure. I was, I thought this might've had the, one of the bits for it. And I think we might've covered it when this first dropped, but, um, and by the way, that vanity fair article goes on forever. Like it's, it's pretty, pretty in depth, but, um, <clears throat> so rebel moon was, as was a pitch for star Wars. So I'm yeah. wondering, I'm wondering how much, I mean, cause you know, it's obviously his solution, his, well, his response to it. And I'm wondering what, you know, the parallels, you know, we, we can already see the parallels from the, you know, from the concept of it, because it's still, it's still, uh, like tried and true Kurosawa's, you know, seven samurai or the magnificent seven. It looks, it, based off of the photos and some of the articles here, it reminds me, it feels more like Blade Runner. You know what I mean? Yeah, I feel like, I feel like it's going to be just an, uh, pro probably a big, just amalgamation of all that. Yeah, because if, if they're going to try to, if he's going to try to ground everything in reality and kind of like 
don't play into the spectacle of sci-fi, then it's going to feel very Blade Runner. It's And like Firefly did that to an extent too. That's why I was like, okay, it, it kind of felt like that a little bit as well. Um, well, it's it's going to be cool seeing these, these hand-built sets and, you know, you have, like he's talking about those intimate shots and all that stuff. And then they're leaving, and then you see like one of those ridiculous spaceports just with some crazy shit taken off. Like, yeah. And who knows? Like, if this garners enough success on Netflix, they may ask him to expand on his world. Uh, it's mm-hmm. going to go multi. Uh, I know it's it's going to have a like it's going to be in different mediums. They're they're working on a game. They're they're going to have an RPG for it. Oh, that's cool. Um, there's going to be a. Um, I think either a book or a comic series for it as well. Like he's, he's going hard in the paint with this is his, this is going to be his, uh, you know, big IP. Yeah. I'm, I'm very interested to see the reception because like everything that Snyder's ever done has always been like trashed to, to oh, it's very polarizing. Yes. Because like, um, Sucker Punch, people shit all over Sucker Punch. His version of Dawn of the Dead, like people are like, it's not the Romero. Of course, it's not the fucking Romero version, but that doesn't make it a. Uh, you know what I mean? It doesn't make it a bad zombie movie. Well, I feel like I feel like the way he makes his films is a hallmark of a good filmmaker. Like, and, 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 and like, but like being able to have your audience divided over your film. Yeah. And keep talking about it for years. That's what that that that's a that's a diamond in the rough moment for for people when they make a project. Yeah, like for sure, there's people still debating lines of dialogue from Star Trek from the seventies. Yeah, um, Star Wars is still heavily debated about certain things, like you know, and you know. I know we're all fans of the stuff here, but like the fact that this guy made only he made Man of Steel, Man of Steel. He made three movies that are still talked about as far as the DC universe or comics in general. He made three movies that are more talked about now than the entire fucking Infinity Saga of like 20 plus films from Marvel. Yeah. And I think that says a lot. Like whether it's people t- like shitting on it or people praising it, just the fact yeah. that, that 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 it can generate a conversation, which is what one of the things people like about movies is being able to watch a good film or watch a film that they like and maybe their buddy didn't, and being able to kind of talk about it and be like, "Hey, man, like it would have been better with this." Like, kind of the whole basis of what we're doing, you know? Yeah. Let's not forget three hundred. That's what I was gonna say. Like, yeah. just looking at his filmography. The only universally loved movie that he has released has been 300. And everything else, everybody has shit, which I haven't seen Legends of the Guardians, the Owls of Gaholi or whatever. I watched that with the kids. It's, it was, I mean, it was, it was a kid's movie in my opinion, but it was good. Yeah. He, he's, he's, he's just got his style that makes him like, he's got that filter Kind of the same way J.J. Abrams has got the lens flare. Yeah. Sam Raimi's got the weird camera movements. 
and you know just like all those other directors you know there's people that really fucking hate it and there's people that really like it i personally think his movies look clean as hell what regardless of the, like the opinion of the film you know yeah which oddly enough one of one of my uh favorite movies from my teenage years was the extended or the director's his director's cut of dawn of the dead yeah absolutely. And, I thought, and i thought he did a fantastic job with that like yeah. i didn't even like if you went into to that expecting it to be like a george a romero film get your head yeah. out of your ass yeah. like, i mean same with watchman too though and i get the arguments for watchman but like I mean, he was trying, like, his approach to Watchmen was still good. It was different, but it was not bad. So, I don't know. How can anyone watch them? I mean, I know the scene doesn't make the movie. But how can you not watch the the Dr. Manhattan sequence where where he's created? Yeah. That whole thing where it starts with him at the fair with that girl him you know going through the accident that whole sequence it's like five or six minutes man how can you not watch that and not be like dude that was really good yeah i know like from the writing the like all of that yeah like dude's got an eye and uh funny enough uh it was one of his interviews that he was doing uh recently he did like a podcast circuit for a little bit there a couple months ago um And I didn't know this, but uh, apparently he was he, he was a painter. Like he, you know, dabbled in. He, he was like he he dabbled in art and all that kind of stuff, and then, you know, went from that to filmmaking. And it kind of it, it makes sense because his movies. Some people hate his filters. I think his filters look great. Like the colors look really like all the colors are very deep. Yes, I agree. Like his iteration of uh, the Superman suit, I think is the best iteration of the whole damn the whole uniform. Like, period. Yeah, I agree with that hundred percent. Yeah. But yeah, well, I'm I'm interested to check it out. So we'll probably you know, after uh, after it comes out, we'll have to peep that for sure. What well, comes out December twenty second? Yeah. So, I mean. Merry Christmas from you know some some Rebel Moonage from from Papa Snyder. I mean Santa <laughs> Snyder, Santa Snyder baby, Snyder Claus dude, Snyder Claus. <laughs> I was about to say that. Yeah, like I mean, just throwing it out there. I mean, you know, I'm down. Uh, next up here, Rob Zombie says he only made Halloween 2 to get away from the Weinsteins. <laughs> uh, so this is what the interview said. He was, uh, this is what he explained. Bob was very cuckoo. Uh, he would get into this, into this big fights and scream at each other, and he loved it. That's how he liked to communicate. It was horrible. It was three years of that. By the end of it, I was insane because I, it was like being in crazy world. And it was all done with negative energy all the time. They would find a way to upset every single actor. When Bob watched the movie when it was done, he calls me and goes, 
I hate every single fucking frame of this movie. You have to fire your editor. He's a fucking idiot. He don't know what he's <laughs> fucking doing. This is what it was like every single day. And he calls a lot. At first you try to appease it, but you can't appease it because it's just crazy. Damn. Uh, when Halloween came out on Labor Day weekend of 2007, it pulled in more than 31 million at the box office. It was a record that was held until 2021 when it was finally dethroned by the opening of the big budget Marvel movie, Shang-Chi. Uh, that's certainly a success to be happy about Though zombie recalls how the Weinsteins were still complaining even at the time as nothing seemed to be good enough for them. The day the movie came out, Bob calls me at 10 AM and he goes, it doesn't look good. This thing's a fucking disaster. It's 10 a.m. Are any theaters even open anywhere yet? And then he calls me a couple hours later. We're adding more screenings. This thing's going through the roof. But then Harvey calls Bob and goes, if you had, if you had listened to me, we could have done double. So then they start fighting. The number one record-breaking weekend isn't good enough because I was talking to some people in their office who were like, oh, it's a nightmare here right now. They're fighting. They're screaming at each other over why it's not $60 million. That's Good God. Yeah. Or it says that, Yeah. It says that in uh, years past, Zombie has been pretty open about the difficulties he faced when making that Halloween film, and it was clearly not an enjoyable experience for him. That may make it all the more surprising that when that he would go back to do another Halloween film. But for zombie, that was a sacrifice he was willing to make to avoid having to work with the Weinstein company on any more movies. This is a situation that was touched on by zombie in the interview, which is for the Howie Mandel does stuff podcast. (laughs) So it says zombie told Howie Mandel that it was an absolute nightmare working on Halloween because of the Weinstein's involvement with Bob Weinstein in particular, constantly screaming at him through the production. Maybe that's just the way Weinstein approached big-budget movie projects, but for Zombie, he was accustomed to working on indie films with much smaller budgets. It was un- it was unbearable. Could you fucking imagine? Like, you're working, and every day you get a call like three times a day, and it's like, this is fucking shit! <laughs> it's like, dude, calm the fuck down. Like, I bet that's Jesus. pretty common. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah. thanks for fucking my movie up. And then yeah, they blame you sure. when it's shit. Yeah, It exactly. didn't make anything. Yeah. Well, it's not the so, movie I set out to make, so I don't know. I don't... Says At least they didn't try to fuck him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? Or his wife. Dude, if you know, Rob like... Zombie's like, you're a little bit too much, that's crazy. It's Rob yeah. fucking Zombie. Yeah. Says Zombie also described how Bob Weinstein would chime in with bizarre ideas. At one point, suggesting that Michael Myers wear a necklace made out of human ears. But by that point, however, much of the movie had already been tried. <laughs> what is Maybe this, Vietnam? You know? Yeah. yeah. Um, not that Zombie would have wanted to do it anyway, calling the idea dumb on every level. That was just one of the many crazy ideas that zombie said was presented to him by the Weinsteins, making the experience all the more bizarre. The problem for zombie is that he'd signed a three picture deal with the Weinstein company. And that meant that he was contractually obligated to work with the nightmare producers on two more projects. At first he was declining their offers to direct Halloween two, given how miserable he was making the first one. 
As the search for a director went on without him, however, Zombie realized that he could use this as an opportunity to get away from the Weinsteins. So the filmmaker went to the producers and said he'd make Halloween 2 on the condition that they wouldn't have to work with them on a th- uh, work with them a third time. Fortunately for Zombie, they obliged. I go to make the sequel, which I refused to do at first because I just wanted out of my contract because I wanted to kill myself. Had a three-picture deal. Then a couple years later, they had fire, fired 12 different directors for Halloween 2, so I came back. I'll direct it if you let me out of the third picture, so I don't have to do three pictures. Let me out of the deal, and I'll do it. So I go to shoot uh, that, and Bob comes to to the set. He's showing me the trailer for my Halloween as if I've never seen it, and he goes, every frame of this movie is fucking genius. This is the same guy who said every frame in this movie I fucking hate. <laughs> like Jesus, could you? F- anyway, it's crazy that that's like the thing, you know, that people yeah. have to deal with. But yeah, well, it's it, well. What's insane is that you know, for years, it always I thought it was the understanding that like Zombie was able to tell his whole story and that he had this you know kind of control over it, and I'm sure he did. But I guess just like the criticism on the studio end with him, yeah. that would get that would get fucking annoying. Well, and it sounds like you know how the Rob Zombie Halloween movie wasn't bad. The second one, man, he probably went in there and was just like, "We're let's fucking film this as quickly as we possibly yeah. can. Let's get this shit done so that we can get the whatever fuck they out say, here. just do it." Yes, he phoned and, it in. Yeah. And you can't blame them. Like wow. whenever you, whenever you kill someone's creativity, you know what I mean. Yeah. Might as well hang it up. You know. So Hemsworth, Chris Hemsworth thinks Thor: Love and Thunder became far too silly. So the fourth Thor outing, Thor: Love and Thunder, became far too silly, according to Marvel star Chris Hemsworth. Speaking with GQ, Hemsworth, who has played Thor throughout the MCU explains why he thinks Thor Love and Thunder did not receive the same critical acclaim as previous outings. Uh, Thor Ragnarok. I think we just had too much fun. It just became too silly. It's always hard being in the center of it and having any real perspective. I love the process. It's always a ride. But you just don't know how people are going to respond. Released last year, Thor Love and Thunder finds Thor on a quest for inner peace but his retirement is interrupted by a galactic killer known as Gore the God Butcher, who sets the extinction of the gods, who seeks the extinction of the gods. To combat the threat, Thor enlists the help of uh, King Valkyrie, Korg, and ex-girlfriend Jane Foster, a.k.a. the Mighty Thor. Together they embark upon a harrowing cosmic adventure to uncover the mystery of the God Butcher's vengeance and stop him before it's too late. The sequel saw Hemsworth reunite with writer-director uh, Taka Watiti, with the pair continuing their more comedic take on the superhero. Unfortunately, where Thor Ragnarok seemed refreshing as it leaned into both Watiti and Hemsworth's comedic sensibilities, Thor Love and Thunder quickly became a much more diverse MCU outing. The sequel is now one of the lowest rated installments of the Marvel franchise. Well, they tried to capture lightning and bottle twice. Yeah. See what and I it was. He said, and yeah, and it wasn't the adult critics letting Hemsworth know the problems with Thor Love and Thunder. The actor's kids' friends let him know about the issues as well. 
It's a bunch of eight-year-olds critiquing my film. We thought this one had too much humor. The action was cool, but the VFX weren't as good. I cringe and laugh equally at it. <laughs> it's funny that eight-year-olds are like, the VFX. Yeah, what? Yeah, like, you don't right, have any right. money. Yeah. <laughs> Hemsworth was clearly, uh, has clearly learned the tough lesson taught by the response to Thor Love and Thunder, with the actor recently saying he will only return as Thor if the character goes through some major changes. I have no idea. I've said it before. It all depends on the type of story. It has to be something unique. Uh, what, a, what I w- don't want to do is the same character until the end, until there is a feeling of exhaustion in the audience. But if there is excitement for it, I'm always willing to return. If there's a new story, it has to be something very special. I'm sure there's something exciting to tell, so we'll have to wait and see. You will ha- uh, You have to wait to find out. The thing with Thor, like in Thor and uh, Thor 2, the Dark World, and then his appearance in um, uh, the Avengers and all that stuff was like, he comes from a distant place, has no idea, like him showing up on Earth and not knowing what anything is was kind of the charm of like that first, you know what I mean? And then the second movie was primarily set in uh, Asgard and like different locations like that so it took him out of like that oh what is this what is that and drops him somewhere else then you know that and the serious the the very serious tone of the dark world was kind of its undoing but i didn't mind it i liked it and and for that and, and you said it perfectly it's because he's that's his element yeah the comedy of thor is best when he's on earth and he's having yeah. to figure out when he's breaking shit. glasses and shit to get a refill. It's like, you don't yeah. have to do that here. Yeah. Yeah. And so of course, when, when the lens shifts to where he's actually used to like shit's real. Yeah. And that's kind of what took me out of like Thor love and thunder versus like uh Ragnarok and all of his other appearances was like Thor was always that character that when shit got real, he he went straight. Like, look at his arc through, like, Endgame and Infinity War. He went from, like, him and Rocket and Groot were going to, to, to have, you know, Stormbreaker made and all this stuff, and that comedic element between those three characters where he's, like, rec- you know, Rabbit, all this kind of stuff. And he, like those serious moments where he's like, I'm going to kill you for that. You know what I mean? Like those moments that he had with oh. Thanos. And then when oh, he yeah. showed up to add to the uh, Stormbreaker sequence, the whole, the whole fact that whenever he takes off, they're like, what do you need? He goes, I, I need to, I need a Thanos killing weapon. Yeah. I mean that that's the thing with Thor, like in Thor love and thunder, like, Gore didn't feel like a threat because of the Thanos stuff that had just happened. And on top of that, he didn't take it seriously. Like he didn't, he didn't go full Thor. I'm going to kill you for this. No, we're going to get our, you know, get, get these goats and we're going to like, hook yeah, up the goats to one were of a these. little extreme. And it's like, it's funny, you know, and yeah. all this stuff, but like, well, well that, and see that, yeah, the comedy of that. Taika Waititi. The humor of Love and Thunder is what made Gore the God Butcher not be as menacing as Thanos. Yeah. Because what he was doing, 
like yeah the the infinity gauntlet and what what thanos was doing for that was a very like it's the highest stakes possible but cut like introduce a character whose sole purpose is to go around and kill these people that can pull off those type of schemes yeah that should have been a higher bar that that, that was reached yeah absolutely i feel like, like we kind of the... got screwed too because they kind of made it look like we were going to see more of him with the guardians oh yeah and then yeah. they just kind of leave yeah and, yeah and, and it's and, like and, oh and I... but what happened all with all that that could have been a whole thing like yeah, and yeah. I'm certainly not trying to backpedal because I know I know that like I personally didn't have like I, I like the, the movie. Yeah. yeah, I had a good time Thor with movie. it. movie, but I absolutely had the same bones to pick with it as you know everybody else. I think Ragnarok yeah. kind of set the bar high for it. Yeah, that's absolutely, and it's like for him to be Gore the God Butcher. He only killed like one or two gods, and then you know the end was he, like he just that's didn't cool. have enough... Yeah, it's and, like and what? The, and I mean, the idea that was there, I was picking up what was being put down, and you know, Watiti did give us our first on-screen look at Eternity, which I thought was pretty pretty fucking awesome. But you know, just underlining the fact man that humor the goats like the goats i laughed at i had some chuckles with it yeah i laughed at the overall soundtrack because i because i'll never forget when when the movie uh went off uh went to talk to the wife for a second and i was like finished watching thor love and thunder and she said i thought you were watching a guns and roses performance yeah <laughs> i mean you know well, dude in russell crowe i mean yeah that was hilarious it, it was funny, but like there should have been like they cut scenes out with him. He had yeah. more scenes. I watched the scenes; they're funny. Yeah, there's one where he's like walking with Thor, and he's like, "We can't go with you, but I can help you. I can give you, you know." Yeah, and, you know, I even I even enjoyed Natalie Portman's portrayal as Lady yeah. Thor. Yeah, I didn't have a problem with that at all. I, I like Portman. Yeah, Pork there was just mom. some. <laughs> I love. I, I I dug the way that they uh, incorporated Molnar as like a. It was like kind a, of the the, like the motive. Affair. He's like, well, yeah, cheating on the well, other hammer with it. He's like, come here. He's yeah. like trying to talk to it. Come here. Well, and on the the and if we're gonna treat this movie as schizophrenic as it really is, the full Thor aspect of the Molnar plot is that it was killing Jane. Yeah, and she wielded it. Yeah. And the whole concept that when she drops the hammer, it takes her back to like, and, and that whole thing. And the, the whole moment with her showing up at the end, using Molnar after being told, Hey, quit it's using the hammer. You. Yeah. And you know, you kind of have the gut wrench moment where you're we like, had to oh, have her fuck, Coulson, she used man. it. Yeah. Well, if she doesn't show up there, they don't win. Yeah. Yeah. She kind of, she but, saved Thor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The classic sacrifice. Um, but what but, he did, like Gore's kids come, his kid comes back and he's like, I'll take care of it. Yeah. It's like, damn, really? Even after what he just did to you? I know, right? Damn. You better than me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm and a curb you know, stomp to, that motherfucker, you know? <laughs> and you know, to, to add to the guardians of the galaxy, uh, thing y'all were talking about, 
you know, Ragnarok and the events of Infinity War and Endgame put that character in a very unique spot that could have had it to where his plot line could have split where mm-hmm. you have a movie where it's it's something like Love and Thunder where it's just out fucking rages. And then you could make another film where you're like, no, nah, this is like hardcore Asgardian, you know, full Thor. Yeah. And being able to tell a story that goes that route would have been cool. Yeah, I agree. But next up here, Lucas shares his Star Wars sequel children. Star Wars sequel trilogy plans and why it didn't happen. I thought you said Star Wars sequel chili. I mean, I had chili for supper, so you know. <laughs> um, while Star Wars fan base has found itself more divided than ever, ask any Star Wars fan, and they'll surely agree that the Disney sequel trilogy yielded mixed results. Thanks to this stark mixture of crushing disappointment and breathtaking elation, Many have wondered whether a Star Wars sequel trilogy from creator George Lucas would have been more satisfying. Well, there is now at least partly an answer for fans to judge from. Uh, Several intriguing details have now emerged regarding a scrapped set of sequels from Lucas himself. The movies are about how Leia, I mean who else is going to be the leader, is trying to rebuild the Republic, Lucas trying to restart the Jedi. Detailing in the book um, Toshin's Star Wars archives 95 to 2099 to 2005 George Lucas reveals that his sequel trilogy would have centered on Carrie Fisher's Leia but who would have been the face of the dark side opposite Leia's light well this is where things get even more interesting as Lucas reveals that he would have resurrected none other than the fan favorite spiky headed double edged lightsaber wielding Darth Maul and Maul would not have been alone so Darth Maul trained a girl na- uh, named Darth Talon, who was in the comic books, as his apprentice. She was the new Darth Vader, and most of the action was with her. So these were the two main villains of the trilogy. So instead of Ray, Finn, Poe, and Kylo, George Lucas' Star Wars sequel trilogy would have seen the franchise led by both a female hero and villain, as Leia must battle against Darth Talon, a Sith under the tutelage of Darth Maul. Lucas's idea had potential, but seeing as how online fandom took an issue with Ray and other women in the Star Wars universe. How fucking biased is this article? I know. It seems unlikely uh, they would have accepted this with open arms. It is easy to forget how much how much many of the fans who now wish the George Lucas trilogy was made also hated the prequel trilogy until the sequel trilogy came out. Fuck that whole wow. last paragraph. Um, so with how much Lucas had invested in these new Star Wars films, one wonders why he didn't make them and ultimately why he decided to sell the franchise to Disney. The answer is family. At that time, I was starting the next trilogy. I talked to the actors and I was starting to gear up, the legendary filmmaker explains. I was also about to have a daughter. It takes 10 years to make a trilogy. I'd still be working on episode nine. Finally, I decided I'd rather raise my daughter and enjoy life for a while. While fans may wonder what might have been, it is also important to remember there is a chance uh, Lucas would have had to deal with an unforeseen circumstance. Had George Lucas' films stuck to the same release pattern as the Disney film, 
with the main Star Wars storyline every two years as opposed to the traditional three, Carrie Fisher still would have passed away in 2016. This would have forced a change in Lucas' plan the same way it did for Lucasfilm on the rise of Skywalker. For as much as a plan seems like a good idea, the plan also can can and will likely change. It is easier to say Lucasfilm's would have been better because they are just ideas. Audiences can't truly compare them to the sequel trilogy. With the news of a sequel to The Rise of Skywalker that follows Rey rebuilding the new Jedi Order, it is entirely possible some of Lucas's story treatment ideas could be repurposed, but with Rey as the role of Princess Leia. Rey was Leia's apprentice, so it would be fitting for her to take on this mantle. So, I would say that this absolutely validates the idea that Dave Filoni and John Favreau, while crafting their own, you know, little gap of the of the the timeline, yeah, while they're doing stuff like Mandalorian and all of that, they're fulfilling this plot line that that George or the idea at least, yeah. It's it's very interesting because like they're they're playing in in already established territory, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's it, it would be interesting if because the Ray movie is not going to be coming out until twenty twenty five, so in theory there's still enough time to write scripts, get a get a series out there to where we see more of Maul and this Darth Talon and some of these other elements if they decided to go that route with it. Um, now, now, the, now, the, the only thing that's, that, that, that's going to be a hard leap to, to deal with is bringing Maul back because there are some pretty, like, there's a level of finality to his arc and, like, I think it's Rebels or something. Mm-hmm. And so it's going to be really hard for, for for that to be pulled off but like you know a lot of the a lot of the things like with ahsoka and all that kind of stuff it's i feel like there's going to be a way that they're going to be able to if not try to pull it off at at least nod nod towards it to be like hey we tried like we took what was what was given us from disney and we we tried to, to finish your story in a way you know yeah it's it's interesting that he that he wanted to go this route, and it's crazy that like some of the things in this article because it's like, first of all, like if we're looking into a different universe where Lucas is making the sequel trilogy, does the events that cause Carrie Fisher's life to you know to go the way that it did, does that still happen? You know what I mean? So like. Yeah, in theory, if we go by this, you know, through line that we are already a part of, then yeah, she would have died part way through it. But we don't know. Like that—that's the thing. We don't—we don't know. So it's interesting that they try to make that gap. It's like, well, she still would have died, and he still would have had to pivot. And it's like, yeah, but we don't know that. Like, but, but I also think too, Lucas would have had the money and the financing at that point that he probably would have been smart enough to have all the actors, considering they all have their own levels of renown, especially trying to keep Harrison Ford on board for 
10 years straight. Uh, Mark Hamill with all his various things. Um, he would have clearly filmed all his principal photography all at once for all the movies. Yeah. So, but it's, it is interesting. And, you know, maybe in another universe, this is the trilogy that we get. And I don't know. I mean, with Lucas there, I think that certain people that's in charge don't get away with the things that they get away with. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, so. uh, an interesting point to consider right now, um, there's a heavy rumor. Um, there's various content creators that are dropping videos about it and everything. Um, but apparently there is rumor that Disney is possibly going to have to sell Star Wars as well as liquidate some of their parks to cover, to cover the money they owe Comcast. Mm. Okay. So, but once again, that's just a rumor that I, I haven't found any concrete articles on it or whatever but that's that's i would imagine if they do sell the star wars ip they'll keep something they just built that big park well there's no way they're going or i mean they could take it as a write-off but i mean damn well the five thousand dollars or not yeah what you were saying about uh the tax write-off what's kind of fucked disney over too has also been well, yeah, like yeah. Florida has turned against Disney. No, DeSantis has. <laughs> dude, even Trump was like, dude, do you really want them to leave? That brings a lot of business there. Like, but they do have some kind of crazy ass, like, fucking grandfathered in deal. Yeah. Like, Disney's yeah, that, like its own place. It's, yeah, it, had a, it, had it ain't a part of Florida. Governance. Yeah. It's very interesting when you look into that. Yeah. How, how Disney's uh, set up there. But Want yeah, that, that's that's the word on the street though is uh they 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 bled a little bit too much mm. and now it's time to pay up. Well, you know what they say. Everybody pays the piper. Yeah. That's crazy though. But I mean that's that the the five thousand dollar a night, dude, you ha Yeah. I just what the fuck, man? Right. You're well, average. I mean, you can, how many millionaires find, do you think live in the country? Well, I mean, well, you and, can find uh, you can find TikToks, YouTube Shorts, all short videos of people going through this, these places, and they're empty. There's no yeah. waiting lines. Like, don't get me wrong. The 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 the, the I, I genuinely feel like Galaxy's Edge is sustained alone by them two hundred dollar lightsabers you can build. Yeah. Like that seems to be the big pull from that park. If you go in there, you get you one of those at least. Yeah. So, well, we'll everything, yeah, like the rides seem very like there's not any weight lines in it. None of that, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, everybody's just like worried about eating and paying yeah. rent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, uh, that, you know, but hey, the, there's not a, anyway. Shit, I'll eat Shit, I'll 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 pack a a, a cooler with a canned soda and eat bologna sandwiches just to be able to fucking do some shit like that. But 
even when I went to Disney World in 2009, right? Mm-hmm. 2009. Yeah. The whole family goes. There's probably, mm-hmm. I'd say, between 10 to 15 of us. So all expenses paid, right? Yeah. Best hotel they got, the Grand Floridian. You got the food package where you can get food on the card. It's already paid for. You get credits. 35 grand. That's insane. For all of that paid for. Room, uh, plane tickets for everybody, travel. Because you're, you're buying into the Disney package, so as soon as you land at the airport, Disney bus there to pick you up. I mean, yeah. And you use their tram system. Yeah. They have a, a rail a rails that come around to all the places. Like Now, it was five different parks. Yeah, but still. there for a week, went mean, to one park every day. But you don't have to walk for anything. I mean, you only like get so top. many credits, but I so, mean, you can still, I mean, on the food and brain, the food there yeah. is like, whoa, you know? Yeah. It's like $90 for a Coke. <laughs> it's like, Ooh. Well, last up here, I, I save this for last here. King supports Mike Flanagan rebooting the dark tower. So filmmaker Mike Flanagan has been trying to get his own take on the Dark Tower off the ground in recent years, at once describing that the adaptation as a dream project, something he kept coming back to as he couldn't get the story out of his mind. By December of last year, Flanagan said he'd acquired the rights to the Dark Tower and was working on an adaptation with Trevor Macy. He said that the deal was made prior to his lucrative partnership with Amazon Studios, though he also teased that the company could potentially get involved with the plan adaptation at some point. On Twitter, a recent post addressed to Amazon encouraged the company to help Flanagan make his Dark Tower adaptation happen, preferably with five to eight seasons of a series. The post gained a lot of support with fans, and it wasn't long before it caught the attention of the original author himself. In response to the post, King wrote, The writer happens to agree. This is what it said. A note to add Amazon Studios. There's a massive and devoted group of constant readers that would enthusiastically support a a Flanagan version of Stephen King's The Dark Tower through five five seasons or eight and love every step of the way. I wrote a pilot. I wrote a pilot. We view it as a series that's going at least five seasons. Flanagan previously told Deadline mm-hmm. about the plan he has in mind for his version of the Dark Tower. And having lived with this project as long as I have, I have an enormous amount of it worked out in my brain. But I have a pilot scripted. I'm thrilled with and and very detailed outline for the first season and a broader outline for the subsequent seasons. Flanagan also teased that he'd ideally like to make two standalone feature films along with the series, though he also noted, I think our priority has been trying to get the television side of it going first. We're not going to put the cart too far ahead of the horse on such a challenging project, but that I think is the perfect way to do it. Uh, What's interesting is that Amazon had previously tested the waters with rebooting the Dark Tower as they had put a series in development at Prime Video in 2018. At the time, it was announced that Sam Strike would star as as a new incarnation of Roland with other cast members including Jasper Pekakin, Michael Rooker, and Jerome Flynn. 
Ultimately, however, Amazon passed on moving forward with the series. It was after this when uh, Flanagan acquired the rights, separately from mm. his deal with Amazon. Check uh, this out, though. That dude's that's the Doctor Sleep guy. The last three series he did was at Netflix. Midnight hmm. Mass, The Midnight Club. I heard that well, Midnight Mass is good. Yeah, yeah. Um, Dude, man, that would be a big W for Netflix to green light a... Look, I'm, this is the first time of as far as like... Because I've, I've heard the TV pitch for this so many times. Um, I think... Like, fuck those movies. Don't make the movies. Tell the story. Do the, the show. Well, the fact that he said he's he's got a detailed outline for season one and a idea of, of the subsequent seasons. He did that, a good job with Dr. Sleep. That gives me hope. Dr. Sleep was meant. Yeah, did a good job. Um, But I, I have to believe it when I see it. Yeah. And... I mean, dude, we're talking about a franchise that had Ron Howard on it. Like, all these different people. It was already through... Like, we had... We had... There were clearly dailies being made. But... Well, the, the there guy were that, set, what was that? There were set pieces and shots of people dressed to filming at Amazon. The and then guy, they abandoned it. Did the... Uh, did the stand. Yeah, okay. So, did the, is that what got made the TV show? Yeah. Okay, that was Josh the stars Boone. above, dude. And yeah, J- Josh okay. Boone, yeah, the Fault in Our Stars, New Mutants. Well, stand. I didn't mind and that show. It was okay. I, mean, I like the idea that, that five to eight seasons. But it's that's worth enough, a shot. Like That's enough to tell that yeah. story. And dude, and not, Netflix has proven their self to have some money to throw around. I mean, I, mean, I, I would be down. I, I would, but it's it's one of those things where I've just I've been disappointed so much that it's almost like hearing. But eventually, hearing about, somebody's going to hit it. I really hope, and I'd I, say the I last really, two people that hit it was some King property. Was that fucking first it movie? Yeah. That dude hit it, and it was like, oh, okay, you have my attention. And then and, this dude did a good job with Doctor Sleep. Yeah, the stand was good. The stand, and yeah. I think the key. No pun intended to, to, to making this work is don't worry about trying to fit all the references in there. Don't worry yeah. about it. They'll they'll come naturally if you just adapt the way it's fucking written. Well, all right, here here's what I'm gonna say about it, because I'm currently on my way through the Dark Tower right now. Okay. What book you on? Uh I'm on uh the Wol- Wolves of the Kala. What number uh, is it? I don't know. Nice. It's six, a book. It's five. Six. Damn. Well, it's six. You burn if you're through quick, ain't you? If you're yeah. reading when through the keyhole between four and five, which is where it takes place, then it's technically book six. But in the main series, it's book five. Yeah. So I'm, I'm five out of seven. <laughs> and yeah. I'm halfway through this one right now. Well, and it sounds, I mean, you're making some time, so. Oh yeah, yeah. Obviously, I mean it's 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 going well. Yeah, I've been enjoying it. Here's yeah. here's the thing because I've been like since the Dark Tower's been living in my brain, right? Yeah. And it's kind of rolling around up there the way that it does. Well, it now you're like getting the full everybody. story. Yes, not the abridged version. 
if if they took a less linear approach to filmmaking, mm-hmm. I think that they could condense a lot of this stuff down. Like to well, me, everybody already read them, right? Yeah, you don't have to put every little detail in there. Well, the thing with King is he likes to drone on and on and on and on and on. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's drugs that's talking style. Yeah, exactly. Um, but like going through it, I'm sitting here like. They could knock the gunslinger out yeah. in two episodes. Well, when you're describing something, you have to go on and on. But when you're just showing it, yes, you just show yeah. it. Exactly. You don't have to be like, there was a glass on the fucking wall. Well, that and, It's like, no, you see me, that. It's there. Well, to me, like, okay, the plot of the gunslinger is literally just two guys running across the desert. Yeah. Like, that's the, that's the story. And you get and, tall and all that other. Jay well, yeah, I mean, I mean, there's 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 little bumps along the way, of course, but that's that's that that's the main thing. That book could have been a standalone film and not even allude to the sequels, other than when it gets really crazy at the end at the with the talk with Walter. And being able, like, they could that could have easily been a, an hour and a half movie. Yeah. Easily. Well, well, this is this is how I'm thinking about it, Trav, and, and this is going to kind of be where I drop off with it. It's like they could take the Gunslinger, Drawing of the Three, and half of the Wasteland, and make it in a nonlinear storytelling way. To where? Oh yeah. Well, it, it's the the nonlinearness that you're referring to, Griffin. Lost is absolutely why you should watch Lost. I knew it. I knew it, Trav. I knew it. If you if you watch Lost, dude, you're you're in it's your so mind. Good. There's there. Well, it, the story of Lost is fantastic. It's so but, good. But the way they but do now it. That, but now that you're now that your eyes deep in the tower, watch that show, Griffin. Because when you watch it in your mind, whenever they start exploring the island yeah. more and doing the nonlinearness of, of the narrative, you're going to be like, that's how to do it. That's I how think they that's do why it. the show worked so well. Like everybody was like, I ain't never seen a show like this. This is. Yeah. Yeah. Because to me, when after, after going through what I've been through, you have to end that first season the way that the gunslinger ends. The story of the first season, in my opinion, just needs to be him pulling his quartet together. Did you get their stories? The audio book where that dude, because I remember how it started. He was like a man in black. Yes. Yeah. And the way that dude reads it, he does a good job. Yeah. How many of the books does he do? Because he ended up dying at some point, right? I I believe he did the first four. Because he does a good job. He he did the first one. Then they brought another guy in to do two, three, and four. And uh, that guy passed. Okay. And they brought the guy that did the gunslinger in to do. Is the second guy good? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's got voices. Like the guy <laughs> that does the gunslinger is kind of yeah. dry. Like sure. he doesn't, you know. It's just, it really guy, is the same voice. He just like yeah, puts a little something just, extra on it. It's like, you. it's yeah. not even the, yeah. It's like, it's clearly it's like, you. Well, to circle back to the review, um, Roland is very much a John Wick. Yes. Like, yes. very few words. See? What he says has weight. Like, when he says something, you, you're going to pay attention yeah. to it, you know? Yeah. 
Well, and there's several moments in the books, especially in the drawing of the three and the wastelands where he sits down and he tells the story of the gunslinger to mm-hmm. the, to everybody else. You know what I mean? And I think that like in a nonlinear way, if you have like, if you have him, I thought it was brilliant in the book, the way that they did like this parallel thing where it's like, Jake's not alive, but he's alive and everybody's having a mental breakdown about it. But like, if you approach it from that standpoint where it's like, why is this happening? Why is this happening? And you have those reveals be the cliffhangers for the episodes. Yeah. You know, and and have, yes. And yeah. have that final reveal be like the palaver that he has with Walter at the end of the gunslinger is so monumental. It has to end the season. Yes. It has to. Gotta be because, the because, because, because that's to me, that is like the, the conversation between him and Walter establishes so much of the journey yes i mean it and it lays out the plot of the whole story to to an extent yeah but it's that it, it's this xavier magneto moment it's the best way i can put it it's beautiful and it's also i would argue the most except for maybe parts of the last book it's probably the most psychedelic that the story gets. Yeah. Um, heavy mescaline. It's like mescaline's talking to you in that com in that in that dialogue. <laughs> like I, I'm a hundred percent convinced. Yeah. Was it the Dark Tower that he put out that people like sent him letters and was like, "Hey, man, I'm gonna die soon," and uh, yeah, I gotta know what the fuck happens, like. Yeah, this dude. shit's eating me up. Yeah, and one of the uh, that's why the one of the re-releases I have I have this uh, I have a one of the sets in in trade paperback where um, it's like traditional book size. It's not the little small ones, but like at the back of it, you know, they update it with you know little bits of like 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 king's Bits thought and process and yeah little you know stuff like that well <laughs> i think it's either the third or the fourth book when you when it's all done it's these letters that king had gotten oh and you can read like you know and it'll be him explaining like you know i don't know what to tell these people like i'm i'm along for the ride too like yeah. his little nod and wink to being like i'm writing this shit fucked up dude i, I can't yeah. remember what i wrote yeah. Well, dude, if you'll remember, it says under that they got the article that's like, would Dark Tower work better as a series? When we watched the Dark Tower on episode fucking 43, we were like, gotta be a show. Yeah. Gotta um, be. So, uh, as as you've read the series, as you've been reading the series, Griffin, one of the criticisms that we, or one of the, the, the judgment calls we made on the movie was that it was like, and I remember you worded it the best. The movie with Idris Elba and McConaughey was like an hour and a half inside joke that like 75% of the audience wasn't in on. Right. Now that you're kind of, now that you're understanding the books, can you recollect like stuff in the movie now? And you're like, is it better oh, okay. or worse? Like, it, does does it make that? Do you, does it make you enjoy the movie even a little bit more? Well, I mean, here here's what's going to happen. I'm go after I finish this the series. 
or the book series. I'm mm-hmm. going to go back and read because there's certain things about the movie that I remember, but a lot of it yeah. is visual stuff. You know now what I mean? There, now there, there's gonna, now there's stuff that you're going to see that you're like, why did they fucking do that? Yeah. Even like you know, yeah. On a on a whole thing where you're like, dude, like, why are they leaving this whole? Like, they didn't even explain what that is. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like, almost like they expected you just to have read the fucking how many books? Yeah, seven. And not well, everybody has. Yeah. Well, and also this is like that was supposed to be what the final thing and like so the, they kept it different on purpose but it's like but why like if you want to do that well, that's i have a theory my theory for the movie that we got and it, it, it makes me more accepting of it is that what we're watching is a sequel to the book series yeah I'll leave it at that. Yeah. I know what you mean. Like it's a, it's, it's more its, its continu- own thing. It's more a continuation than origin. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and it'll make way more sense once, once you, once you get over that hill Griff. Yeah. But yeah, I mean like just cause I've been rolling a lot of it around and dude, like the, there's a lot of stuff that they could condense down, but there's also a lot of stuff that I feel has to happen. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The, to- the toll thing has to happen. The Lud thing has to happen. Blaine has to happen. Like there's you need all but, that. Yes. Well, it builds yes. the characters yeah. in such a fantastic way. Like Eddie's full arc that he's already gone through for, for from what I've read so far. It's, it's insane, like, dude. It's yeah, and you have it's to a, have it's all a class and, and it's a classic changed man story. Yes. Like it like it, it it's like it's I, I I can tell that when they adapt it right, so many people are gonna be like Eddie's my guy. Yes, for sure. Because oh. I'm already like Yeah. And and I do like how they I'll get into it later. Like the way that he wrote Eddie's arc, and then now we're getting more so into, even though we've already had the Detta Odetta, Susanna arc, we're getting into another layer of that mm-hmm. with the me what Mia, I think's her name. Yep. It's like what the fuck? Like he's writing fucking Split before Split was ever even a fucking thought in M Night Shyamalan's fucking brain. Shyamalan's playing oh. checkers. Yeah. Oh, what's old King was playing chess. There's some, like I'll put it this way, Adam Griffin's about to cut. He's about to hit the point. Of well, no now return. that he's got those books on there, I think I might fucking give him a spin. Like he's he, he's 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 hitting the point of no return because it's already like I guess no pun intended to the third book. You get story the, art. The, the, it, it's went off the rails. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's really it's like he's like book five like. When you look at the series, books one through four, you would look at it as volume one. Books five through seven is volume two. Yeah. So there is some difference there. And and, and I'm sure, Griffin, with you being through Wolves of the Collie, you can already tell there is some absolute differences in how those first four were written in regards to how these are being written now. 
yeah for sure like yeah. the pacing is a little more faster there's a lot of like whenever whenever that happens when you're reading any kind of series i already immediately go this guy's like i need to finish this yeah that's what it die. is it's like god damn yeah i can't sit and take forever yeah to ride. i can't take a year yeah um that first that first so not as much detail book, well the detail is there but just like Put the story picks up not, yeah, he's not dwelling on the whole. It's like one of those cops. It's like, all right, move it along. Nothing to see here. Yeah, move it much, along. Yeah. Well, and you know, as, as even though King can go on and on and on, when when he has a and topic, boy, can he? <laughs> when he's yeah. when he's give the the thing that works for him with the Dark Tower series is he can go on and on and on because the world building. And the plot that you're building and exposition that you're doing is the most interesting aspects of the story. Yeah. Well, it would like make sense that once you build the yeah. world out, you don't have to do that as much. Yeah. You so kind of already know what's happening. Yeah. Now, whenever there's exposition, it's only when you come across some new new. Yeah. Well, like at the part I'm in, they're talking to Father Callahan and what he's been going through and how. So that is more, you know, exposition, but more world building. Yeah. And to chime in with that, uh, Adam Callahan, if you recall, he's the priest from Salem's Lot. So Mm -hmm. we're we're getting to the vampire O'Malley. I will say this. (laughs) Callahan gets full fucking redemption in the Dark Tower. Yeah. Breaks. He, He ain't a bitch no more. Callahan Briggs. <laughs> like, he's a but, bad motherfucker in this story. But yeah, I mean, I th- they're going to have to do it as... There's no way that you could ever do this as well, a movie series unless you're planning on doing... That's why it at, flopped. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but you just, need a season. You can't do... Well, you need eight or ten hours. You can't just do yeah. fucking two. Well, see, here's the conundrum, and I know I'm at the point now where I'm splitting hairs. With but you'll this, watch know, it if it comes out. And I know we can't go on and on about it because uh, it, it, it'll be morning. The King Gas. Yeah. yeah. Oh God. But um, that's a real podcast already, by the way. Oh, I believe it. Constant readers are a thing, dude. <laughs> um, but it's it's almost like okay, so. There are certain things that are brought up uh, and 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 elaborated on in the film that are maybe one or two sentences in the book, but are fleshed out heavily in the comic books. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, like the whole aspect of like the whole Arthurian legend aspect to the gunslinger's guns. Yeah, heavily gets expanded on in. Um, it gets a kind of elaborated in book four, but the, when the, the the comic adaptation, it goes hard in the paint with all of that, and with the there's these there's these orbs. It's just this thing called Merlin's Rainbow, and each orb possesses a different trait. And there's this one called Black Thirteen, and it's like it, it's some hardcore shit when you fuck with it. Like you can't touch it; it, it kind of calls out to you. And once you have it, it gets in your head. It fucking just, you know, it's like drugs, man. Black Thirteen all the time. It's, it, time. it's either it's either Black Thirteen or find. the one or the one called Mer- Merlin's Grapefruit. 
but one of that's them that's like the Michael like, the Puppy, right? Because one of the things is that <laughs> it, it's kind of a it, it's it's kind of a part of it's part it's a MacGuffin that kind of helps set the 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 main quest into Fucking motion. Scruff MacGuffin. Well, like for instance, and I can't. It's been so long since I've read the fourth book, but I recall in the comic there's a moment where you know Roland is just straight up just love drunk on the chick in the village and he gets a hold of that orb and it sucks him into it and it's like a doctor strange moment mm-hmm. where she's dropping knowledge on him yeah and he's just hauling ass through time and space and then he he comes up on the dark tower and like it's like you got to go here like this like this is this is your fate this is where you're destined to go how you get there we're not going to tell you but that's that's and so like yeah. the dark tower gets like incepted into his so brain this orb. oh yeah. yeah you can even see that one photo with all the where he's looking at the tower and it's all the red are they roses yeah. what are they yeah it's roses, They're roses? Mm-hmm. it's the wizard of oz and and it even has like the most it Tolkien. Is. It's the most Tolkien fucking thing ever. He stole that from the Wizard of Oz. Oh, well, the, the, endi- the end- well, the ending of Book Four, the last thing, the last place that the gunslinger rolls up on. Do they pass out? Is, it's the Emerald City of Oz, basically. <gasps> yeah, yeah they show up, they show up to the Emerald City. It's fucking crazy, dude. A side <laughs> note. Because we could do a whole podcast about it, but every time the gunslinger is brought up, I always think of standing in that front room at the practice room talking to Townsend and like his excitement to tell me about the fucking gunslinger was like just, <laughs> he oh, really, dude, it, he hooked Trav with it. He fucking, fucking oh, man. hook, dude. line, sinker. And I'm just over there like, yeah, books. I'll I'll forever be grateful that dude showed me because I, I will because I, I feel like you, you you can you might agree Griff the Dark Tower is written so even though there's the hallmarks of King's writing there it is so different from all his other shit yeah because it's a it, it's a mixture of everything like everything it's his universe it's his like a skewverse yeah yeah you know? but. But the thing of the thing that the who's studios, the Jay and Silent Bob of the Dark Tower? Roland and Jake. Yeah, yeah, pretty <laughs> much. Yeah, I mean, I would have to. Yeah, I would agree with that because everybody funny. else is going through some real shit, and you've yeah. got Crisis. Jake's a kid, and you've got uh, Roland who's just like, I mean, so, we'll figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> so now that so now that you've got through book four, there's there's this thing that I've always thought. And I've used it as my head cannon. Now I know there's other there's other things cannon. that play that, ex, that that can explain it, but uh, so there's this there's this whole thing in book four where there's there's a conflict going down and there's this gorge out out in the desert, mm-hmm. and in the gorge as you go further down, reality two different universes are rubbing together and it's they're bleeding over into oh, each other. They collide. It's called a thinny. A thinny? Yeah, yeah it's, it's called, yeah. Yeah, like King has his own little take on language and all that kind mm-hmm. of shit and everything. Uh, it's, his, it's his tip of the hat. It's, to, it's, his, it's his nod to Tolkien in a way. Yeah. Um, but 
there's this whole moment that's like to me it's like 300 as fuck where yeah. roland lures these motherfuckers that are after him up to it and he more or less like gets them off cliff side on the fucking uh horses and everything falling down into just this pit where like it's more or less like a black hole like it's just swallowing them up yeah that was and and how it shows um like it just shows that like he's a military strategist Mm -hmm. yeah and a genius one at that like his his tact like his tactics are amazing and they get expanded on even more this isn't in the books but in one of the arcs of the comic where they expand on that backstory part um they're talking about like they they reference it in the story but it's during the fall of his homeland gilead yeah um uh the assassinations have already happened like classic like father's dead mother there's some a lot of betrayal shit that goes on and everything and there's this part where like they establish like there's killing fields set up outside of gilead and when Roland and one of his, and uh, I think it's either Cuthbert. Yeah. I think it's Cuthbert that came or uh, yeah. Which horn. one is like the, the, the Eddie analog of the old Ted. Isn't that Cuthbert? Yeah. Okay. Um, but anyway, he comes in there with him and his dad's splayed out on the ground. He's been stabbed to death and shit. And he takes his blood and he's written on the, uh, on the walls, set the traps. Roland looks at that, looks at them. They fucking just like just there's this sequence of panels where, like, he's like, I know what to do, and he goes up to the garrison. Imagine like a castle, like up on the the the, the battlements area, you know. And you see John Farson's men coming in, and John Farson Adam is basically Randall Flag. Like, well, not Randall Flag, but it's like he's. No, that, <laughs> yeah they call him the good man for crying out loud but anyway his guys are slowly coming in to invade and when he pulls that fucking lever he's th- like these there's these spikes that are set throughout the killing fields and straight up vlad the impaler just like impels like an entire fucking squad of of infantry of infantry right and it's like the most metal thing ever dude <laughs> And I was like, I hope that like like the stuff, the liberties that they take in the comic to expand. Well, it'd be on, cool if the guy that does the show would take that into account, you know? Yeah, yeah. the comic stuff, yeah. like everything, everything gunslinger. Now, yeah. the only thing that would suck would be the amount of money they'd have to pay out to let Mar- Marvel be like, yeah, you can do that. Well, that's the he only, can borrow. That's, yeah, yeah, because that, that's mean, the thing. The, you ain't got copyright the, on traps. Yeah, even though the the gunslinger is not uh, necessarily MCU at all, it's part of its multiverse, which yeah. is really weird to think. Now. That is weird. Um, but yeah, just being able to show those little those little moments where like Roland's been on point since he was a kid, and they yeah. even express it in his his that the backstory uh, in the gunslinger where he learns where he becomes a gunslinger. Yeah, and in this article, uh, whenever um, they were wanting to do, um, 
well, it said something about Michael Rooker and all that stuff. Those, yeah, those actors. The Amazon show. My, yeah, Michael yeah. Rooker would have been a perfect court. Yeah. Uh, court's like the quartermaster of uh, Gilead. Like, he's the guy you go that's like, today we're going to learn to do weapons training. Yeah. You know, they, they're all lined up Cotton. out in the field and stuff. <laughs> well, there's this. Well, the cool thing, man, is they fight with these fucking uh, ravens. Mm-hmm. Not ravens, hawks. And they learn how to have, like, a hawk fucking train and take them out and stuff. And, like, you know, Roland's got a hawk, and they have a special bond. And, you know, that type of shit yeah. goes on. But, uh, yeah, man. Um, I would say two good supplemental materials for this is watching Lost because it shows you how the – like, it is a it is a perfect, like – template to be like that's how you could adapt the dark tower and the uh the at least the first the gunslinger born series just for the expansion and on the the big backstory plot in book four because it's a hard read yeah yeah i mean the and with them going five to eight seasons that's what they're wanting to do with it like it sounds like that there's a lot more than just the books themselves, which like I said, I haven't made it all the way through, but just, it seems like there's a lot more that they're, they're interested in adapting in this. And I would like to see it happen. And if he's got the rights to do it, if he can get the funding, then why not? I think Netflix is going to do it. I mean, he's already got three shows there, man. So yeah. last three shows. Considering where you're at Griffin and you know, like you, like you feel already that like you've already been on such a long journey. You have still so much more to go. Yeah, <laughs> like they are so goddamn far from that tower, dude. I know. I've been like, looking at the map, <laughs> but it's oh man, it, it it's it's insane, dude. Yeah. But yeah, hopefully he'll get it made. I mean, it's crazy that he he has the rights to do it. I guess they were willing to get rid of it pretty quickly after the movie flopped. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, yeah, uh, let's go ahead. Send this back to to HQ yeah, probably over after here. they ruined Lord of the Rings. I mean, it ruined it, but wow, it didn't go over well. They spent a lot of money on it, a lot. I, I highly recommend you check out that audio book, Adam. I think uh, I think once you get a taste of it, dude, you'll you'll burn. I've right actually it, listened like, to the podcast. first one a long time ago, maybe ten years ago. Yeah, that's oh, why yeah. I know the guy okay. that did the voice. You know. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah. We got some trailers. Yeah, I'm ready for them. Yeah, you're going to have to cut me off, dude. I'll fucking go on about this Yeah, shit. I'm cutting you off because it's 1 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> Not young. The tower's far. <laughs> Talk to me. A24. We already saw We saw the first trailer, right? Yeah. yeah. Where you grab the hand or whatever. It's something to do with a hand. Yeah. Talk to me. Tell me your name. I was thinking about this. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all ready? Oh, yeah. All right. Three, two, one, play. Oh. Oi. That's oh, cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember this. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's not a fun game to be doing. Proper British. I am interested, though. Yeah. Like, oh, British Bulldog? <laughs> I'm interested in the origins of the hand, yeah. like the cast, you know? the way. What's going on when that happens? I want to see what happens. Here's what's going to be crazy if they never show you, right? Yeah. They're going to make a, a franchise out of it. Yeah, it'll probably turn into that. Look so, this is actually going to be the prequel to say anything. I like, you know, we always fuck on the possession movies, but this kind of has, this is new. Yeah, this is the a hand cast. Different. I hope it's like, I hope we got to like be podlocked, some... right? I'm hoping, yeah. yeah, I'm hoping it's like some voodoo shit. Skeleton key. That's how you do a trailer. Well, that A24, it makes yeah. me more interested. Oh, did you hear the dog at the end? I'm always... Cold. I'm always a sucker for movies where like there's some sort of like gap between you know our world and a, a supposed spiritual world yeah and characters that just become obsessed with poking that fucking idea yeah uh, it's it's a trope i I'm think always... it would be cool though like all the stuff that's happening to them in the real world but like it would be cool if whenever they like put their head back and they're fucked up you don't see what's happening there yeah, right. Yeah. If I was the filmmaker here, I'd go that way. I'd like, nah, I don't, you don't see that. You just get fucked up by it. Yeah. We'll see. Well, well, like one of the, I mean, I, I, I would be okay if it was some really like, it still doesn't show you necessarily, but like, for instance, uh, one of the coolest things in uh, the movie Get Out, because it's got Get Out vibes to me a little bit. Uh-huh. Um, it's the shot whenever the woman would put the dude under with the hypnosis, the hypnosis mm-hmm. yeah. and you would see him sinking away from his line of side. And it was like, Poom. and it's like, he's like a slow face drop water. Yeah. yeah. That was really cool. It does have a get out feel. Yeah. Proper British though. Yeah. Oi. We're going to touch this hand later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With a bunch of hand touches. What happens Ow. if you put your dick in it? Say so talk use to it me. As, yeah. Use it as a flashlight. <laughs> no, you oh, still what you, you still kick back and gargle air like <gasps> Yeah. Oh yeah, but then you finish. Yeah. That's gonna be a porn parody right there. Get yeah. one idea. That's an idea. That's a hand job video. Yeah. <laughs> talk to me. <laughs> okay. Just from the thumbnail and the name and everything, I'm like, meet the fuckers. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and yeah. it's got old Adam Devine. Oh, I'm AD. Ready. All right. Three, two, one, play. Uh, 
He's he's always the same guy. Look at him. They're spies or something, right? Gotta be. Oh my god. <laughs> I manage a bank. They're bank robbers. They're going to rob the bank. Here they come. Figured your script out, you know? Yeah. It's like the start of New, of, uh, new Guy or Free Guy. Suppress <laughs> <laughs> so you really don't she cares. Oh. Oh, God. I'm liking this. Look at him. That bank have five million? Check this fucking remix out. Woo, woo, woo. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Look, he played James Bond. That's funny. She said, you look like James Bond. Which one? Look at him. Dropped his gun. (laughs) God damn. (laughs) I'll have it. That yeah. Looks pre- that looks pretty good. It looks it like a goofy time. Damn. Now this next trailer, Bottoms, is this... Uh... <laughs> I mean, dude, <laughs> I'm thinking the same thing you're thinking. <laughs> I mean... I'm not going to show it to the screen, that's for sure. Yeah. I've got to watch this one. I I don't know. Let's people. We were it was we were trailer short this week. Yeah, they shorted us. They knew we were podding. Yeah, <laughs> bastards. All right, bottoms. <laughs> if you try to look this up online, <laughs> three, two, one, play. There it is. That's the dude. Wait a minute. (laughs) 
<laughs> Did it say cocaine bear? Yeah. what this is weird Oh, they're at the bottom. Oh, goddamn. <laughs> kind of looks wild, right? Yeah, I don't. I mean. <laughs> no, for sure not. Yeah, I know y'all ain't tickling the pearl. Tickling the Myries. What a weird concept. Weird, yeah. I mean, it's I like watch it. Updated Clueless or something. Yeah, right. Strange. Maximum truth. <sighs> you ready to get red pilled? <laughs> I don't know what this is. This of is just crazy. Take red and the blue. You know, I'll take them both. Both. I'll take two red and a blue. You know. <laughs> yeah. Give me the fucking pills. All right. Three, two, one, play. Why is there a disclaimer? This guy is that Mark Wahlberg's okay. brother? Looks like it. Heard it. Mm-mm. You sound like one. So you're a politician. Yep. Ah. Uh. <laughs> he was in the last trailer. Yeah. That's Colin Robinson. <laughs> kind of want to check this out. Yeah.
Mm-hmm. It looks interesting. I'm DT Dub, you know? Look who we got here. Oh! Sympathy for the devil. Oh! Please, Please meet allow you. me. <laughs> if they don't play this song in it. Yeah, they're fucking up. Uh, they didn't have the money. Let's see. All right. Three, two, one, play. Las Vegas. <laughs> Sold. Yeah. <laughs> Already. Dude, they just gonna be in the car the whole time? That would be amazing. It's going to be them in the car the whole time. <laughs> Help. This is going to be amazing. We have to watch this. oh i can't wait to watch this i'm gonna put this and check that out we have to Well, that kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah, full Nick Cage, dude. Hell yeah. Dick, dick. Yeah. Set the fuck down. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Maybe he is the devil, though. He's got the red hair. Yeah. The suit. Yeah, I'm wondering if there's something else going on. Because it's Nick Cage, you know. He's in limbo. The Lost Flowers of Alice Hart. Got a little Sigourney Weaver here. We got some Sigweave. She makes an excellent meatloaf. Sigweave, okay. (laughs) Already. Yeah. Three, two, one, play. (laughs) 
Hmm. It looks like a woman stole a bunch of babies and raised them there, you know? Yeah. I'm, stole I'm and raised babies. New from Nestle. This is the old dude from Marvel, right? Don Lee? Is it, isn't hmm. this guy? I think so. Doctor Strange? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He's the got his own movie now. Yeah. Okay, okay. He's like, oi. Train the boots yeah. on, man. Yeah, yeah. I'm shreddy. All right. Three, two, one, play. He's about to whip somebody's ass. I hope all the asses get one. Told you. He's back. Book him, Dano. Damn, he just ripped the door off. He's like Fatty Chan, you know? So, the Roundup was a 2022 flick that came out. This is a sequel to that. Oh, no way out. Okay. That's why he's back. That's why he's back. I he's thought... Like, I was like, he's back. Yeah. Where did he go? He made some American films. He wrote it. He was one of the writers on the original. Okay. Might be worth checking out both of them. You know what I mean? Biosphere. We saw the first trailer. Remember it? Yeah, the guy from the league. They're in the Biodome. Yeah. (laughs) It's It's like a serious version of Biodome. Yeah, yeah. That's what it looks like. All right. Three, two, one, play. Yes.
and Super Nintendo. It was. Tell by the controller. Is it going to be a series? It's IFC. I don't want to peep it. They couldn't call it Biodome, you know. It's a movie. Now forty six minutes, yeah. Might have to put that in the check it out. It came out in twenty twenty two. I don't know. <clears throat> we'll see. Throw it on the pile. Yeah, do it. Private pilot. All right. I mean, what is what is happening here? <laughs> is this the Matrix? So this movie, like it says there, a year ago was 11 years old. This is the wildest shit i ever seen. 11 year special mash. What? Yeah, because they made, they made a bunch of them. So at the bottom of this disclaimer, it says the fam squad is not responsible for any damages, but hurt or extinction or eternal damnation, which might arise from failure to comply with the terms of this disclaimer. Jesus. They know what's <laughs> up. All right. All right, here we go. Three, two, one, play. Oh, God, it's... <laughs> what is he a robot? Oh yes, God, he is. Is this that from that it clip is. you sent me? It's Bollywood Bruce Campbell, Trav. Yeah, yeah. This trailer, a whole movie. Yeah. He's back. Robot Army. I think this started it all. Look at this. What the? He shoots all those guns in a circle. (laughs) This has got to go and check this out. Might have to form film February it. We're already past Bali, May. 
wild. Dude, there's full <laughs> scenes from it up. It's at one point he has to fight this big dragon. It's like a big metal dragon. So yeah. he pulls all the metal around him and forms this like body to fight it. It's as tall as the dragon. It's like, okay. I don't even know what to say. Yeah. Well, it it looks absolutely outrageous. We'll check into it. I mean, next week's John Wick 2. Oh, yeah. We're going to wet our wicks. Reload the guns. I mean. Taking another stab. Yeah. Fucking uh, gas them up. June fucking wick. Hit it. The wigs in the mail. 